welcome to the Proper Mental Podcast. Normalising open and honest conversations about mental health by having open and honest conversations about mental health. Welcome to episode 52 of the Proper Mental Podcast. And my guest this week is Chris Hemmings, who is a journalist, a speaker, a broadcaster, and an author. He predominantly speaks at schools and universities about mental health and well being, sex and consent, violence and bystanding, and healthy masculinity. He's also the author of a book called How to Be a Man, where he writes about his own laddish past and how him buying into the stereotypical idea of what it means to be a man damaged his sense of self. So yeah, this is an episode about masculinity, particularly healthy masculinity, and kind of what it means to be a man and how that conversation affects mental health in men and how it affects how men talk about mental health and how they ask for help. And it's really good. It's a really big conversation. Chris was actually on my my want list from very early on, right back at the start of the year when I started a podcast. And I wanted to do an episode about masculinity. And I came across Chris's work nearly straight away. And when I started reading up, I kind of started to think to myself that this topic's a little bit too big. You know, as a new podcaster, I wasn't really sure if I could hold the space. I wasn't, I didn't feel like I was clever enough. I know that's a weird thing to say. So I put it on the back burner. And more recently, I've kind of been thinking more and more about masculinity and how being a bloke, how hard it is to ask for help as a bloke. And it reminded me of of Chris and his work. And I felt like I was ready to have the conversation. I was ready at least to be guided by someone to have the conversation. So I dropped Chris an email and he was more than up for chatting and we organised it really quickly. And I'm very, very glad we did. We really get into it. We talk about being a bloke. We talk about where these like stereotypical ideals of what manliness is and how that lets us down. We talk about the power and the importance of empathy. We talk about making mistakes. We talk about how to be better men, how to be vulnerable, how to grow. It's, you know, it's a really big conversation and we kind of, it's too big. The idea of masculinity is too big to kind of break it down into just mental health and not mental health. You know, it's all so interconnected, all these different aspects of being a man in society's eyes um, that this one just goes all over the place. And Chris is a really lovely bloke. He's really passionate about his work. He's really honest, really open. He doesn't hold back at all. Um, he's really intelligent, really articulate. He was great, you know, to getting me to understand some of these concepts that maybe I couldn't have done if I was just reading them. And the main takeaway really for me is that I think Chris is really brave as well as being a lovely bloke. Because in this kind of world we're in at the moment where people will see you know, a headline or a tweet and go berserk and all pile on. And it's quite, it's heavy out there, right? Particularly on social media, particularly with these deep topics like, you know, masculinity, like being a man. And the work Chris is doing is really important. He's working with young men. He's working in schools, you know, he's doing his bit to change some of these ingrained ideas. But when you're talking about masculinity, there's, as soon as he's, start talking as soon as you start being open there's going to be a lot of pushback and some of it's going to be from men there's going to be a lot of you know like oh what are you talking about yeah you know like people aren't going to be like and they're not going to like being told some of these things and there's going to be a lot of pushback from women as well you know and I think Chris has kind of uh, put himself slap bang in the middle and he's very brave to do so and I've got a lot of respect and he's doing it because he's passionate about his work and because it's important and because someone's got to do it and, you know, he's the best person for the job. So, yeah, I was really impressed by him. We got on really well. I liked him a lot. He's great. And if you'd like to know more about him, you can go to chris-hemmings.com. And I think Twitter is where he's most active. He's at, I don't even know if that's a word, H-E-M-M-C-H. That's where you can find him on Twitter. You can get me in all the usual places probably not on twitter i don't bother with it too much but instagram is a good place to get me or you can email me via my website propermentalpodcast.com 
If you could rate and review and all that usual stuff, that'd be great. It's just in the last week or so come out that you can now rate podcasts on Spotify. So if you are one of the people that listens to me on Spotify, do us a favor, click that rate button. You don't have to leave words. You just click one button. In fact, it's quicker to do than how I just explained it to you. So uh, yeah, if you could do that, that would be awesome. Other than that, there's nothing else you need to know from me. So let's crack on with episode... 52 of the proper mental podcast with chris hemmings thank you very much for listening enjoy so here we are with another episode of the proper mental podcast and my guest this week is mr chris hemmings how are you mate yeah, I'm all right. Thank you for having me on. Oh, mate, it's uh, my absolute pleasure. Thank you very much. Thank you very much for joining me. Um, we're going to talk about masculinity today, mate. And I right. was, I must say, I've, I was thinking about how even to start this episode, and it feels like such a big topic. I wasn't even quite sure where to where to jump in and kick off. So I thought maybe the best place to start is maybe with yourself, and if you could explain a little bit about what it is that you actually do in this field. Well, yeah, that is a big question. Um, <laughs> it's such a it's such a massive topic. Um, what I do right now um, is I uh, well, first of all, I'm training to be a psychotherapist and coach, um, and the long term plan is to open a male centric uh, practice because um, there's I don't think there's enough of that going on currently. Um, what I'm doing at the moment is I'm working in schools. Um, I run a program which I've developed called Empath M hyphen Path. It's cheesy play on words, which is my favorite thing. Um, and the idea of that is that I used to go in and just do, um, a talk and uh, run an empathy workshop. And then in the wake of the everyone's invited stuff, a lot of schools got in touch with me and were asking about why kind of whether or not there was a, a scope for doing something more long-term, um, because the, the talks and stuff are good, but I realized what I was doing was going in and doing like the proverbial mic drop. And saying like, okay, here's a load of challenges that I'm going to present to you. Peace out, lads. Now you're on your own. And I don't think that's fair, to be honest, because what we're asking men to do at the moment and what is being, you know, what is kind of understandably being requested of us is is a is a complete sea change um, in terms of our of our programming, in terms of this idea that you know there are certain ways that we have to behave as men in order to be accepted as men by society. And so that's not going to be easy to deprogram, right? Um, and so the idea is trying to get these young lads to understand that we have been, I tried to put it into kind of like tech terminology with them. as like, we have, we have like opted in, we have been opted into this, um, to this framework um, without our consent. But now we have the choice of whether or not to opt out. And what I'm finding is that a lot of young men, when, when presented with that, are really keen to opt out. They just don't know how to. Um, and so I'm doing, uh, yeah, talks, but then I'm doing workshops with years like eights, nines, tens around um, mental health and well-being, on masculinity, on empathy, on um, on violence and bystanding, but then also doing more like seminar work with sixth formers. But then, but, but then the idea is to try and create more like institutional change within schools. Um, I was just in one school at the weekend, uh, obviously a big posh boarding school. And um, it traditionally was a male-only boarding school. And now it's now it's co-educational. And as I'm walking around, there's just hundreds of oil paintings of old men. And I'm speaking to the women in there, the girls, and saying, like, well, you know, how does that feel? And they don't like it. I'm like, well, you have you have the chance to to speak, not to take those oil paintings down, but to start to demand that there are that there are female that's female representation and that sort of thing. So it's also trying to create institutional change. Um, and then within businesses, I'm um, this is where I see my my, my kind of my, my my future focus is I'm working with. Big, big businesses in the city and construction companies, um, football clubs, uh, the police, um, to, to just, just to kind of offer this, this, this kind of different mentality. So I do these like, empathy and leadership workshops. I do the talk um, in some of the businesses now. I'm helping them to start men's groups because they have an LGBT group. They have um, an ethnicity and diversity group. They have a women's group, which is great. But then often when 
I, I asked, well, only one business I've ever, ever been into that has a men's group. So when I say to them, well, why not? Often the pushback is, well, you know, well, the whole world is a men's group. And I'm like, well, no, 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 it's not. The whole world is a patriarchal space and has been created as such. But actually, how amazing would it be if people could see that men were creating a healthy, a healthy male-only space? And, 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 and how incredible would that be for some men? And, and so that's the kind of thing, trying to empower men, and it's not a popular thing, but I'm, I'm done trying to be popular, um, trying to empower men to be better allies for each other first. Because it actually starts with the self. If we can start to, and this is what I say to the young lads, like um, there's so much of this work around um, asking men to, to change their behavior is done through a female prism. And of course it is because the vast majority of people doing this work are, fe are female. But what's missing, I think, and what I, where I tried to fill in the gap is like, well, let's talk about you first, lads. Let's talk about the propensity for violence because men are more likely to experience violence than women. Let's talk about the propensity for male suicide. Let's talk about things that affect us as individuals. And then we can start to talk about how it affects people around us, because that's the only way that you will engage with men currently. You have to meet them where they are. That's this common refrain. And so that's it in a nutshell. Um, and I'm, and I, you know, I can't stop. <laughs> I literally can't stop. Oh, mate, well, you're, you know, your, your passion for it, just it comes through in everything that you say. And it's so exciting because I feel like, you know, particularly over the last couple of years, we are in this space where we're starting to realize that how we've always done stuff doesn't serve anyone. You know, the, the society as it is doesn't serve anyone. But yeah, lots of people don't know how to do that. And it I is easier to just plug back in, you know, to show a, a certain level of ignorance and just plug back into the system because sometimes that is easier than unplugging yeah. and trying to, to make changes. Right. It is. And that's why when I go into the, um, uh, when I go into schools in particular, but also in businesses, what I say to these guys is um, I'm like, listen, lads. And I use the language like lads. And I talk about my boys because, you know, don't want to seem like we are, I'm, I'm trying to come up from a higher than like you know, a, that, the, the kind of holier than thou mentality. Cause I'm not actually what I'm saying to them is I I'm hoping that you can all be better than I was because I made some horrendous mistakes in my life, which I've spoken about in great detail before. Um, and it took me to a dark place, but also it damaged people around me. And that's, and, and, and that's partly the driver for doing it. But the idea is that if we see this as, and I make this joke with the lads in the school, I, mean, I was in a school yesterday and I made this joke to the lads that I always make is that, look, I'm not expecting you all to walk out of this room today, hugging each other, holding hands and singing kumbaya and being like wonderful human beings like that's not realistic and then because they're because they're hilarious little bastards they actually all did that to take the piss out of me which was great because <laughs> i was stood there clapping them like okay fair enough um but the reality is is that we have to see it this way is that this is about incremental steps we are not going to solve male suicide like that we are not going to solve male on male violence like that. We are not going to solve interpersonal part, you know, interrelationship male on female violence like that. We are not, that's not realistic. But what we can do is we can try every single day to be better ourselves. We can try every single day to do something slightly differently. And if we fail at that, not to beat ourselves up about it. If we make mistakes in relationships, not to beat ourselves up about it. If we, if we haven't spoken about our own mental, uh, mental struggles, not to beat ourselves up about it, because shame doesn't work. There is plenty of research to show that shaming does not work. Shaming is the antithesis of change. Shaming pushes people further away from what needs to be done. And so this is about trying to say to them, like, all I'm asking you to do when you leave here today is to start to think about this stuff. And I'm not expecting that I come back in a year's time and there's no problems here because that's not realistic, but it's about them making it about them. But then also to say like, it's like, like none of this is your fault. Like at 15, 16 years old, your behavior, this is not your fault. You have to take personal responsibility for it. And we all have to do that. 
but this is not your fault. You are a product of a system that has created you. And how can we convince you that this is better for you, first of all? Because that's the only way that real change is going to happen is that they have to be convinced that this is about them. And it is about that incremental steps. We're not going to, the thing that I always say is, look, we're not going to save the world, but we can change it every single day. Yeah, definitely. And that's really, really powerful. You know, it's that whole empathy thing again, isn't it? Like having empathy for yourself first, because it is, it, do you see empathy as like a learned thing, Chris? Is it, mm. you know, is it like a, does it come naturally to us humans or is it something we have to like really focus on? Yeah, I, look, I, I struggle to come down uh, on a position on this because the research uh, is split. There's a, there's a field of science that suggests that um, empathy, or, you know, what we know is that three or four years old, boys and girls have similar levels of empathy. But at 13, 14, there is what I call the empathy gap. Now, what I'm trying to do with my work is to plug that empathy gap. Now, one, one field of research suggests that actually... Uh, because we were out hunting and fighting and protecting, that our that male brains are less predisposed to empathy, which you know makes sense. But there's also a field of research to say that a baby brain is just a baby brain, and through all the social messaging that we get, and I can go much deeper into this if you'd like, um, that 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 we as men are our social empathy is socialized out of us or not into us. Basically, um, my argument is it doesn't really matter either way. Either way, we know that at 14 years old, boys have less empathy than girls. So why are we not trying harder to, to expose them to empathy as something that should be aspirational for them? Because it is for women. It is for girls. It's seen as the one of the bastions of, of quotes, femininity. And I don't like that phrase, but I'm still struggling to find a better one that, that people understand. Like, but within mass within masculinity, if I when I asked the boys about the stereotypes of being male, none of them are about caring and being compassionate. It's about strength and leadership and being a breadwinner and being showy offy and being an alpha and all. None of those involve nurturing, caring, compassionate behaviors. And I don't know a man that when we talk about this doesn't say, well, no, that's the pressure that I have felt my entire life. And when I say to the young boys, who do you go to for comfort when you need it? It's always mum or miss every time. And then when I asked them about their dad, I asked yesterday, this group of this group of 12-year-olds, I said, be honest, very brave if you put your hand up, which of you here would feel embarrassed speaking to your dad about it? And every time I asked that question, at least 50% of the room put their hand up. Wow. But then it's to say, but don't don't blame your dad for that. Like your dad is also a product of the system that has created him that way. And it's how we break that cycle. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That ties in really nicely, actually, to the whole mental health conversation as well, which I feel that empathy is is massively important in that too. But this whole idea about men talking about mental health and asking for help. And there is that element, is there, that the idea of being a man and being strong and all these like stereotypical things stops us asking for help. But I don't think men are as, bad at talking as we get made out to be i feel it's more about the space that we have to talk in and maybe we need to be better listeners than better talkers because yeah. i think a lot of men are scared to speak out not because of the speaking out because of how that speaking out is received and then maybe that's where empathy comes back into the picture right absolutely i could not have put it better myself um and again in the conversation, it, it's, it's such a privilege to get to do the work that I do, right? And, and, and I hear from these young lads because they say to me exactly what you just said. And these are teenagers. I, a young lad said to me recently, he put his hand up in a talk that I was doing. And it's so it, it's so cool that these young lads are doing this now because I, you know, I couldn't have imagined me doing it. He just said, he, he said, you know what, mate? What you're saying is all well and good. And I agree with every single word of it. But... What happens if I speak out and I say that I'm not okay and my mates literally appear to not care? And I looked at him and I was like, Oof. right. <laughs> what do you do with that? Yeah, That's the problem. It's like, that is the problem in a nutshell. And, that, and I said to him, like, everything that I've been talking about, what I've been trying to explain to you is, is actually that point is that I'm sick of this refrain that men need to talk more, right? Because I don't know a man that doesn't talk constantly. We All we do is talk. 
it's about, well, first of all, what are we talking about? But also, how are we creating the space for those conversations? Because it's no good just turning, if you turn a tap on and you haven't got a sink beneath it, those emotions will flood everywhere and will be uncontrollable. So who's creating the sink for those emotions to flow into that you can then con you can contain and look at and you can actually, you know, you can get together and do it. And, and what I've started to realize with this work is that men need to be given permission to do it. Um, you see often at the end of, at the end of some of my work, a, a man or a young lad will come up and, um, his mate will be waiting around the corner and the lad will be having a, or the man will be having a conversation with me personally. And I'm like, why is your mate over there? He's like, oh, and I'm like, come, come into this conversation because I'm about to leave and you need to, you need to start to do this yourself. But it's also to say to them, like the first, this is my new thing that I'm, I'm talking to them a lot about. The first few times you try and do this, you will fuck it up. Your mates will feel like you're not very good at this, that you you will feel really uncomfortable, but so, so what? Like, if in a sporting analogy, I use the example of like, I'm crap at tennis. If I wanted to get better at tennis, what do I need? I need to practice with somebody who is a similar standard to me or is maybe slightly better, but I can just go and hit some balls with my mates and try and get better at it. So we can use that mentality, like go from here and be the one that's brave enough to speak out. But also the brave, the, the even more brave thing is the one to say, I'm ready to, I'm, I, I'm here for you if you need me. I don't know how we're going to do this, but we're going to try together. And I'm not going to be frightened of that because that's bravery, right? That's strength. And it's about co-opting that bravery and strength stereotype into something positive. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, just facilitating that that space because all the kind of like places where you know blokes tend to get together, um, it's not always applicable to start having those conversations, right? You're in a pub, Champions League's on, everyone's having a pint. That is not the time to turn around to your mate and say, "Ah, oh, Terry, I'm having a, I'm a bit of a bad patch," you know. So, like, are we because I think a lot of this from my perspective, right? You look at the that big statistic of suicided men under the age of forty five. I came within hours of being part of that statistic and I kind of spend a lot of time thinking well why didn't I speak out why didn't I ask for help why did I keep all that to myself and I don't even see myself as a particularly like manly man I've never thought of myself in that I've never well, why been didn't about you? why didn't you what was it um I think that with masculinity, it's it's layered, isn't it? Right. So, okay, I I'm not the sort of person. I'm not like, oh yeah, birds, pints, let's have a fight. I'm not that type of man. But I still want to be seen as I didn't want to be seen as as weak, you know. And I still didn't want to. Uh, I'm trying to find the trying to find the words for it. I just think it, it it's subtle, isn't it? This idea of being a man. You know, so there's the surface, there's the obvious stuff, the big, hard, like muscly guy. And then underneath that, there's there's other things that that kind of stop us speaking out, you know, whether it's finding the words or I was never told that no one would listen to me. No one ever said to me, if you speak, I'm not going to care. I'm very lucky. I have a very like um, compassionate and caring circle around me. And yet I could bring myself to use it. And that it's tricky, isn't it? You know, particularly when we're getting told all the time to talk, to talk, to talk. But it it's like. I don't know. It's strange, isn't it? It's really like it's just an unusual, <laughs> unusual middle ground, I think. I'm not even quite sure what I'm trying to say to you there, Chris. And and uh, you've just said three times there. I don't know the words. I'm not sure what I'm trying to say. I don't know how to explain. I don't have the words for these feelings. Right. And that actually, for me, is the crux of it is that you have unwittingly fallen into my trap in a, in a way. Um, I didn't know I'd set the trap, but, it, but it's the one that I often speak to men about is this, I had the absolute privilege. Um, I was going to start my own, I, I'm starting on my own journey to book number two, and I'm going to have a podcast alongside it. And, and I, I, I'd started that journey, but through, I had some horrible trauma happen to me. Um, as a, and, and so I've put it to one side, but beforehand I spoke to a guy um who was the former head of the American Psychological Association. Um, and he was the man who coined the phrase um, normative male alexithymia. 
Now, alexithymia clinically is the uh, is the literal inability, or, or, the, or the, yeah, the literal inability to put words to your feelings. So, some people have this clinical thing where they are unable to express their emotions, right? And there is no there's no gender split on that. Um, but he coined this term normative male alexithymia, or actually the vast majority of men, um, they don't have the words for their feelings because we have not spoken about them. So you get the feelings wheel out and you point at them and this man goes, oh yeah, that, oh yeah, that makes, and they've never thought of, of feelings of shame. They've never thought about what it feels like to be disgruntled. You know, these, these, these richer, deeper words for our feelings um, about the feelings of, of, of frustration rather than it always just being anger. I'm angry, I'm angry. Well, are you angry or are you scared or are you fearful or are you confused or are you frustrated? Because these all feed into anger. And, and it's, it's partly because we, we don't, and I'm air quoting, which I know is not great on a podcast, is because we don't, we don't perceive them as things that should be for us. And so we've dismissed them, but also because we haven't normalized that sort of behavior in male circles. And so we don't see those feelings as something that are okay for us to experience as men. So it does not surprise me that when I asked you why, you said three times, I don't have the words because we don't have the words. I'm very, very fortunate that I do have the words. I have learned the words. So I, I, I now know that I'm very fortunate. But a lot of men turn up at therapy at a point of crisis, and they sit in front of the therapist, and they do not know how to start to engage with their emotions. Women, I'm generalizing, but more, but more often than not, women turn up at therapy, they sit down, and they continue the conversations they've already been having with their friends and their family and their loved ones. And so that is the huge disconnect that we have. So I am delighted that you didn't do the thing. I have also had ideation about the thing, and I'm delighted that neither of us did it. But there are far too many men that it's still happening for. And it's... So often, when you hear that a man took his own life, you hear that it came out of the blue. And it didn't. It didn't come out of the blue. It never comes out of the blue. Not for that man, it didn't. For the people around him, maybe, because we are experts at hiding it. And so it's about how we stop that. Because if we stop that out of the blue, I would say that we would stop a huge proportion of those suicides because we all know that once we start to engage with our feelings and in our emotions, they become much easier to understand and to handle and to navigate. It's just fact. It's why therapy, I, I'm, I'm already evangelical about therapy. I've been in it for 10 months and I'm training to be one. And I think it is the most sensational thing that humans have to, 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 to work through their mind. Yeah, yeah, completely. And, you know, to learn how to find the words for these things is so hard when we haven't been allowing ourselves to feel them, right? You just right. push these emotions down. I can't be emotional. I can't be emotional. Push it down, push it down. Then how can you explain it, right? How can we find the find the words? Yeah, but yeah, therapy allows us to just start to explore, doesn't it? Just to kind of, in a safe space. Is. Yeah, just let a bit out and see see what yeah. see what comes up, right? But also to sit in front of somebody, um, so this, there's uh, Carl Rogers, the, inter the, the, the person sent to therapy. One of the big things with him is this idea of uh, unconditional positive regard, right? And I learned that during my, um, during my, I did a, like, a, like a, a beginner certificate basically in counseling last year. And I learned about unconditional positive regard. And I was just like, fucking hell. The whole concept of sitting in front of somebody and no matter what you say to them, they will not judge you. Huh. <laughs> if we could all just be 10% of that, never mind 100% of that as men, but we're not. Because again, you speak to young boys and you speak to men and you say, what's the biggest problem that you think that, 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 of, of why you don't talk about what's going on? Well, because if I talk about, or if I, if I cry or if I get upset, or if I talk about the fact that I'm scared, I get called a pussy. I get laughed at. I get called a girl or, you know, or all of these things that are akin to being feminine, which is a whole different story um, that I could do an entire podcast about. Um, 
And it's about, well, well, how do we stop shaming people for daring to be emotional? I tell the story of me being nine. Look, my dad, right? He died when he was when, when I was in my, in my mid-20s. He was incredible. The, 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 how he got to where he got to emotionally, given I make the joke, my, my granddad was stoic in the face of gardening, which is the only thing that he enjoyed doing. Um, I never saw the man smile or cry or laugh or anything, but my dad tried his best, right? But he took me to the swimming bath when I was nine years old for a lesson. And I'd been promoted up from the side group to the middle group. And I got scared because I didn't have the sides to hold on to for, for support. And I cried and refused to participate. And I remember this vividly when I started to think back and it was all part of stuff like with my book years ago. And I remember when he came to collect me and the instructor had told him that I'd got upset and refused to participate, the way he looked at me that day was burned into my brain that I was not allowed as a man to, to cry and to express my fear in that way. And then nine, what of God, I'm so bad at maths. When I was, I, I, won't, I won't try and do the maths. Um, so yeah, basically 15, 16 years later, I'm stood in a church giving the eulogy at his funeral, feeling a sense of pride that I am not crying feeling some weird sense of achievement that I can contain my emotions during my dad's funeral eulogy and then wonder why three months later my friends had to drag me out of a cocaine and alcohol addiction. Like, ah. And I'm trying to explain to those young lads like the, the arc from that moment to there is direct. That I was told that I was not allowed to, to cry, but also then the reinforcement that somehow... I, I am I am being given props. I'm being lifted up for not crying. Yeah. <laughs> what the yeah. fuck? And I don't and I don't judge my dad for that because my dad, I, I call him a transition man. Like how he got to where he got to from where his dad was is remarkable. But he didn't make it all the way, right? And, and I'm still not because I'm still now on picking. 25 years of of macho messaging that I that I bought into and I've only, I'm only 34 now it's going to take me a long time to keep on picking it all yeah yeah definitely and I think like we're all kind of we're all just with a lot of this stuff just doing the best we can right but when it's right. not talked about and it's not discussed then then your best the best that I can do is not going to be the real best that I can do because I, I need more tools. I need more help. I need to explore these things more and learn more. And then I can do better. I can do the actual best that I can do. Right. But yeah, but, but, but I'm going to counter that and say that if you haven't got the tools, if you've only got, a, if you've only got a wrench and you haven't got a hammer and a, like, I don't have a toolbox, so I have no idea what else, a screwdriver and whatever, you can only do what you can do with that wrench. So you are doing the best that you can do right now. Mm. So you are doing the best that you can do right now and that's all we can do is the best that we can try and do and sometimes we're going to fall short right sometimes we're going to hurt ourselves along the way sometimes we're going to hurt other people along the way and that is a reality and we're living in a culture at the moment where anybody anybody has done something that isn't within the overton window of acceptable behavior um is shamed publicly we are sh we're shaming people for making mistakes and that does not work. And we are still shaming men for not being empathetic. We are still shaming all men for the actions of a minority of men. But then also we are shaming men for the actions that a lot of us engage in, the, the casual misogyny and, and casual homophobia and things. And it's like, well, shaming doesn't work. And so how do we bring the men in? Don't call out, call in, because that's the only way that we're going to make a tangible change. And I know that I've been publicly shamed on Twitter and it was horrible. And it was part of the reason why I ended up nearly suicidal. It was absolutely disgusting. And it was a horrible experience. And I almost gave up doing this work as a result of it. And people still want me to give up doing the work that I do. But you know what? No, I refuse to give up the work that I'm doing because I know that despite my flaws and despite the mistakes that I've made in my past, many of whom, almost all of which I've owned up to and admitted, that I can be the one that can say that to young men and say, be better than I was. Don't make the mistakes that I made. 
for yourself, first of all. Start with you, because as you said at the start, empathy starts with the self. What in what world do you want to live in? Do you, are you tired? And so the response is beautiful, like saying to the lads, like, are, are you not tired of pretending to be someone that you're not every single day? And they're just like, yeah. And I'm like, right then. So you have the choice from today to start to opt out. You can click that button, opt out. And yes, you won't be getting the social credits that you have been getting for a while. And I was speaking to a, a working group in a school the other day when two of the lads, there was a group of like six women and two, the two, only two lads on it. And I was like, listen, lads, you're going you're gonna to cop for a ton of shit at some point. The lads are going to hate you. You, you know, you're going to be... You're putting yourself on a pedestal and your behavior will be will be scrutinized if you do anything that's slightly not okay. It was like, well, you're a hypocrite. And I was like, are you ready for that? Because as far as I'm concerned, those two lads, you're the two bravest lads in the school. You're the two strongest men in the school. And if you're willing to step up and do that work, then thank you. Because yeah. that's what it takes. Because you will lose friends and alienate people when you start to be the one that's like, lads, maybe we don't behave like that anymore. You know, I make this, I know I'm on a rant now. As you can see, I get very passionate about this. Um, I say to the lads, like the thing with my friends now is that we used to 100% of our, of, of our communication used to be piss taking. Now it's about 90. But in that 10% is where I found out that my friend has a cocaine addiction. The other in that 10% is where I found out my friend's now willing to talk about the death of his sister 20 years ago for the first time. It's where I could turn to my friends when I was suicidal and ask them for help and support. That 10% can save someone's life. So I'm not asking you to stop being men. I'm not asking you to stop having fun. I'm not asking you to stop being idiots because we're all going to be, I'm an idiot all the time. But I'm asking you to say that there is an, there's an alternative way and it doesn't have to include hurting other people and yourself. Yeah, completely. And I suppose we can take some of those, um, some of those like very stereotypical aspects of masculinity and what it means to be a man and just apply them differently. You know, like... I you know, what is the definition of strong? What is the definition of bravery? You know, I kept all my negative thoughts and feelings to myself for years at huge detriment to people around me and to myself. And now I think, well, the strongest thing I did was ask for help. I thought I was being strong by shouldering it all, but it was a lot fucking harder to put my hand up and say, I'm drowning here, you know, like it's, it's almost like changing the, the definitions in that way, isn't it? Yeah, but yeah, I, I completely agree. And the idea that like, you know, being a leader, well, you can be a leader like our current dear leader in, in Downing Street and be a and be a pig-headed shit. And I don't work for the BBC anymore. So it's a nice, so it's nice that I can say that. But I also have empathy for him because I'm reading this amazing book at the moment called Sad Little Men, which is about the public school system and those boys who were brought up in um, in boarding schools and like, whoa. Um, so, you know, it's kind of not his fault. Oh, it's hard to say, but show him some empathy. Um, but you could, or you can be a leader like you're trying to be, you know, and you can, or, or, or you can be a leader like those two lads in that school are. And are they going to get the social props that the, the captain of the first 15 is going to get? No. But I think they should. So, but it's also to say that, okay, so being athletic and being sporty and being strong in that traditional sense are being are earning loads of money, like all of those things, these bastions of masculinity. But I don't earn a huge amount of money. Does that make me less of a man? I'm not physically strong. I can't bench press 100 kilograms. Does that make me less of a man? Like I'm, I, I used to be sporty. Like, but does does that make my friends who aren't sporty any less of a man? Well, no, it doesn't. But the rigidity that is put onto us is what I mean about the opting in. We we are auto opted in, and that's not fair. Mm, we don't yeah. get a choice. We don't get a choice until often it's too late. Yeah. And yes, you speaking out for the first time is the strongest thing you can do. And that's why I say in the schools, like the strongest one of you in this room is the first one of you who speaks out against injustice. The strongest one of you in this room is the first one of you who puts his arm around his mate and says, maybe we don't behave like that anymore. The first, the strongest one of you in this room is the first one of you who says, I'm not okay. Or puts his arm around his mate and says, hey man, I don't think you're okay. Let's go and try and do this thing. That's strength. So let's co-opt it for something positive. Yeah, definitely. Have you seen the ways when you go into these schools and, and talk to these young people, have you seen the way that 
the sort of, you know, the posturing and the pretending to be someone else, as you put it, how that directly affects the the mental health of, of these of these kids. You know, have you seen that 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 impact? Yeah, it's difficult because speaking to speaking to teachers, um, what happens is that you go in and you want to see this like Damascene conversion, right? You want them to all walk out there, you know, cry. You know, and sometimes they do. Some of them do have like big moments of change, but this is not this is not going to happen overnight. This is not going to 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 change overnight. This has to be. A, we have to get as many people doing this as possible because this is going to take years and years of change, and it's only going to take. Sorry, it's only going to happen that change if men do it. And there's not enough men doing it at the moment, which is another reason why I refuse to be cowed by the online bile. Because one less man doing this is one less, you know, is is one too few that of, of already when there's too few. And so this has to be a, a long-term thing. And is it changing? Yes. In the six, five years I've been doing this, I've seen a tangible change in young people. Well, are there still massive problems? Absolutely, there are. And we're not going to solve this overnight. Um, the young people, but what, what I would say now is that young people are ready for this change. They are ready. They are at the starting, they're at the starting line, to use another sporting analogy, but nobody's firing the gun. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I kind of get, I suppose, that at the, over the last couple of years, especially, you know, there's this big mixing part. There's so much changes in the air and it's just, it's not quite settled down. It's still at that extreme stage, isn't it? Whenever like these first things start bubbling over and people want to change and want to do things differently, it always starts off just, like you said before, lots of blame, lots of finger pointing, lots of, you know, and then people don't want to speak out because they're scared of getting something wrong. Like they genuinely want right. to try and be different, but you think... I kind of say the way I describe it with me is that say I'm all right with being a little bit ignorant about stuff as long as I know that I'm ignorant and I'm doing my best to kind of learn a bit a bit more you know right. but we can't know everything can we we can't um and I think people are scared to 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 speak up for the fear of of getting getting piled on well yeah and I've, like I've, I've worked in a school where the the young girls had a cancellation list of young boys and I did some work with them in the school. And I was like, look, explain to me why you have this list and, and what it means. And, and they were like, they explained. And I was like, you know what? Look, I'll never know what it feels like for you to experience what you've experienced at that, uh, with, with the boys in this school. But what I can tell you is this, is that list is not achieving what you think it's achieving. That list is not going, those boys aren't going to know about this list and go, okay, we need to be better so that we can get off it. That list, and I know because I spoke to the boys about it, was making the boys go, fuck you. Fuck you. Why the fuck would I try and change when that's how you're fucking treating me? And I'm like, that's what the boys feel. So I will never tell you not to be angry because I can't tell you not to be angry. Be as angry as, as you need to be, but also to recognize that the anger isn't going to so solve anything. But also to say to the boys, I can't tell you not to, not to be defensive because I've been defensive. I've, re I've reacted badly when somebody has called me out for sexual harassment. I reacted very badly at the time. If five years ago, I reacted terribly. But then over time, I acknowledged that. And I realized that my defensiveness didn't solve anything. And so if we do want to have change, we have to acknowledge that whilst the anger and the defensiveness is understandable, it doesn't achieve anything. And so it's how we meet in the middle and have those conversations where we aren't afraid of getting things wrong. Where Because some of those boys were on that list for trying to engage with this work saying something that the girls didn't think was okay. Right, you're on the list. And the lads are like, I'm trying here. I'm trying something here that, no, that very few men are, have tried for generations. And that's all you and I are doing, right, mate? We're trying to do something that a lot of men don't do. And we are going to get it wrong. We are going to hurt ourselves and other people along the way. That is just a natural part of human existence. But it's how we learn and grow from that. And all of us can try and do that every single day. And this is the thing about working with men is that so much of this conversation is, is through, and I'm going to repeat myself, is through the female prism. And I get it because we don't talk about it enough as men. But we know, 
And I know because uh, one school did a survey at the end of the year, which speakers did you really enjoy? And a lot of the lads were the only speaker that I listened to was Chris. And I asked the school, because the school were like, hey, Chris, look how great this is. And I was like, that's not great. Like, that makes me really sad that I'm the only speaker that the boys listen to because I'm a man. But that's the reality that we live in right now. Yeah. That is the reality. That as men, we still aren't ready to listen to women on this stuff. So it means that for the time being, it's up to us, lads. <laughs> it's up to us to be brave and to step up and say, right, okay, well, let's start by making this about us and getting our, getting us involved. Because you know, we all know that if we start to develop empathy for the self and for empathy for the men around us, then we will in turn start to develop empathy for the women around us and the trans and non-binary people and LGBT and race and all of that stuff that we don't do enough of, that we don't have enough of at the moment. Yeah, it just kind of like slowly seeps out. I've heard you talk before about the sphere of influence, Chris, and that was something I loved. That's such a wonderful way of of putting it. But yeah, just doing what you can in your space, right? And that's all you can do. And it's like, I don't care if you're the captain of all the football teams or if you're the CEO of KPMG or if you're the quietest kid who sits in the library or you're, uh, you know, you're, you're a, 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 a middle-aged bloke who likes gaming and doesn't have a huge circle of friends, right? Everyone has a sphere of influence. Mine, I'm very privileged to say, is quite large because I get to do this work. Yours is because you have this podcast. Um, but even with my friendship group, like, um, are all of my friends... Uh, no, do, are, all, are, all, are all of my friends on board with my messaging? No. Do all of them buy into what I do? No. Do all of them agree with everything that I've said? No. But do I stop talking about it? No. And they've accepted it. We've accepted. We've all accepted it. And we all working together. But 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 that space that we've created now is far more harmonious than it used to be. And so that's that's a positive change. And you can only do so much as an individual. And if we see it as this macro thing, we're going to be disappointed. We have to see it in the most micro terms possible. But if you can get your friends to stop using homophobic slurs, great. If you can stop your mates calling women sluts, great. If you can just get your mate to speak up and call you when he's feeling down, great, you've done it. You've done the work. You're doing it. And I use this, this this analogy of Plato's cave. I don't know if you know about it. I'm very Plato's cave is so Plato talks about this idea of uh, three men being uh, chained up in a cave, and they could see the flickering through the through the flames of people outside, um, and they only knew the life inside the cave. One day, one of the lads escaped goes outside. Once his eyes adjusted, he realizes how incredibly beautiful it all is. It's beautiful out here, lads. He's screaming back in the cave. Like, it's beautiful. It's beautiful. But all the guys inside the cave could hear, because they didn't want to hear properly, was they could see his like monstrous projection through the flames and they can't hear him properly. And so he has to go back into the cave and he tells them how beautiful it is outside, but they still want to stay chained up inside. And it's how we convince the two lads that are chained up because I've seen the light. I've seen what it's like outside that cave and it's glorious and it's beautiful. And I've just been asked two days ago to be the maid of honor at my friend's wedding. And it's like, I have friendships with women now because I speak to women without trying to have sex with them. Um, and, and, and I, and I have this richer existence that I didn't have for about 10 years of my life. Yeah. And all I'm trying to say to lads is like, you don't have to stop being yourself, but you can just be yourself over here where you don't have to be pretend to be somebody else yeah it'd be more of yourself well <laughs> or your, yeah, your actual yeah your actual self rather yeah than, yeah what you think yourself to be so i'm saying to the lads like come out of the cave just take a step out and just see what it's like you if you don't like it go back in but a lot of you will like it outside the cave i, I promise you that and it's how we convince them of that it's how we get them to come out and stay out because once they come out Again, there's often this thing of like, you know, well, men, you know, men come out and they, uh, and, and well, so what? So a man's not being misogynistic anymore. Does he need to be celebrated? Yes. Yes, he does, actually, because that means that he has made a, a really big change in his life. Like the men who used to, you know, there's an amazing guy in the US, I can't remember his name, um, a black guy in the US who has been converting KKK members for years. 
Like, should we be celebrating these? We obviously celebrate him because wow. Um, but there's, but, but also, should we be celebrating these men? Well, I think so. Yes. Because it's taken bravery to do what they've done. It's taken courage to step out from that, from what has been pumped into their brains their entire life. And so actually, yes, we should start to celebrate men who, who come out because it is, it is coming out, basically. It's coming out of that cave. It's coming out of the, the rigidity that has been foisted upon you for years. And I think that we should start to celebrate that more often. Yeah, I agree. And I think if we want more people to, to make changes, then if they see it being celebrated, you know, then it's not so scary. They're not right. so, you know, because we, we don't want to come out in case we get judged. Well, if you can show people that you're not going to be judged, that you're going to be welcomed and it's going to benefit all of us, including you and me and everyone around us, then, you know, that's that's a lovely celebration to have. Yeah. Mate, we've have covered. You, sorry. I was just going to say, have you found that? Have, have, have you found life more rewarding and fulfilling since you came out? Yeah, 100 percent. 100%. I'm a, a better person for it. I'm a better husband. I'm a better dad. Um, all the things I was worried about losing, what I didn't speak up for, are all things that are now so much richer in my life. Um, I, I see it a bit like, it's a strange analogy, but it's almost as well a bit like um, Eminem in 8 Mile. When you just come out and say, yeah, this is all the bad stuff. This is all the horrible stuff. Now you've got nothing to say to me. And now I can just own my story and just concentrate on on doing the best that I can. You know, it's it's really empowering, I think. Yeah. Yeah, and, that, and that's it. And it, and it is about empower. It is about empowerment. Um, and it really isn't a popular thing to say that men need to be empowered, but we do. We need to be empowered to, to be the force for good within each other's lives and create those healthier male spaces because that's how it starts. Yeah, and those, you can't argue with those statistics, right? Because they are on the rise. And if anyone says that our current system as it stands works, it doesn't. It doesn't work just for anyone. It doesn't, not at all. Not no. at all. Agreed. Mate, we've covered so much ground there in such a short space of time. I'm gonna go back through and uh yeah, and make some notes and kind of digest it myself. That was um that was wonderful. And I really, really appreciate your time today, Chris. Oh, thank, uh, thank you. you. I, I love that you do this. Uh it, it, you know, it's just so good to speak with men about this. Um, and I will will never stop, and I really hope that you don't either. Oh mate, no, no, I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very thank much. Thank you so much. Cheers. Mental podcast. Please like and subscribe. The space star.